Welcome, guys, to another episode of The Modern Day Leader. Today, I'm joined by Jaleel, and this is something that I'm really excited to speak about today because Jaleel, if you look at him today, he's in really good shape. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's a successful coach. But if we look back on his story, he wasn't always like this, and he actually dropped a whopping, what was it, 110 pounds? Yeah, 110 pounds altogether. 110 pounds, so he's been on one heck of a journey, and I just thought it'd be really cool to do a podcast and just to unpick his story and just to find out where he started, where he is now, and how he bridged the gap and to become the successful coach that he is today. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Jaleel, and I'd love for you just to introduce yourself to the people that are listening to this podcast. Who is Jaleel in kind of the next 30 seconds or so? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on. So, you know, my journey, I was once upon a time 20 stone six, so I'd have lost 110 pounds, and I've been a coach now for just about six years, started off as a one-to-one PT. Now I'm working as full-time online and I've been doing that for around about two years now. Um, I help guys normally shift, you know, above 30 pounds at least, um, helping people who were once in the situation that I was in. Love that. In terms of like when this journey started for you, Jill, what was the, Mm -hmm. the point? How old are you now? And when did you like fully start this journey? We're talking okay, about so, becoming a PT, like when you actually decided to start looking after yourself. Yeah. So when I first started, I was 17, turning 18. I became a PT when I uh, just turned 20. So when I was 17, 18 was when I was at my heaviest. And for me during that time, it was just really difficult because I was doing, I was getting into, you know, sort of going out with, with my friends out to town. I was, um, you know, it was kind of that place where I was finding myself as just, you know, what's my part in society and life. And I sort of realized that this is one big thing that was holding me back at the time. So then I got started with my weight loss. So I joined the gym ended up as probably a lot of people will do. I went in the gym, used a bunch of cardio machines, got nowhere. So that was only only for a month. And something that I've always had inside of me is that I always, I've always been quite lazy in the sense I want, I'd rather learn from someone than have to learn it all myself. And as soon as the a month had gone and the friend that I started going to go in the gym with left because he couldn't be bothered anymore, <laughs> I then um, jumped on with a personal trainer at the time. And don't get me wrong, the personal trainer was maybe not the greatest of help. However, it introduced me to a whole new world, made me just feel a lot more comfortable in, you know, being able to lift weights and things. And altogether, that initial journey, I went from 20 stone six to, uh, I think it was around about 14 stone 10 in about a year and a half to two years. And during that time, there was a lot of ups and downs. And a lot of like little breaks where I kind of just maintained. But I actually had a second personal trainer. And for me, I was working in Amazon in the warehouse and even as a delivery driver. So I was that guy who used to who used to put it in the bins, not get not leave you any notes. I, I used to be that launch your parcels into the garden. But yeah. I hated the job and I quit. And I went to my personal trainer in the morning and he basically said to me, he was like, why don't you become a personal trainer? And I was like, that's, a, that's not a bad idea. He's like, you've got a really big, unique selling point. Not many people can say they've lost X amount of weight. And I was like, that's a smart idea. So I used up all the money that I had left and done a PT course. 
And as soon as I passed that PT course, day after, I had a job working for Everlast Fitness. And from there, the rest is history. Absolutely love that. And if we just kind of rewind past that start, because obviously like that's talking about the success of your weight loss, mm. like losing the best part of six stone, which is absolutely phenomenal. You talked about being a younger guy and wanting to go out and kind of establish yourself in the world and fit in with the crowd, etc. Before that point, could you just give us like a little bit of a brief of your life up until that point? Because to go from 20 stone, which would yeah. have been like largely overweight, right? And obese mm-hmm. to like the journey that you've been on. What was some of the ways that you were living? What was your, some of your relationship like with food? I think at the time, so I used to be into sport. Maybe I wasn't the greatest at sport, but I was into sport. So I used to play cricket. I used to play football. I used to be really active, you know, doing things like, for example, in, in school was GCSE, PE, all things like that I was involved in. And all that physical activity, as soon as I then left school, um, school ended up going to college, all that activity stopped. So I was always a, a big lad, but I was what you class as overweight and not obese. And all of a sudden, then because I was in college, and also that came with a lot of more stress because for me, A-levels were not easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up starting to just pile on the weight because I wasn't doing any more activity anymore as well. And it was situations like I'd come home and I'd, you know, sit there and watch TV or play video games and sit there with, you know, a full can of Pringles or full bags of sweets. And just my, as you said, my relationship with food wasn't great. And any time there was any sort of like even celebration, whether it be maybe I'd done well, maybe I'd passed an exam, maybe I had, you know, um, for example, passed my driving test. It was all celebrated with food or meals out. And it, everything in my life at that time revolved around food. And it did put me in a place where, you know, there, there was a few moments, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit more, but there was a few moments that kind of just like opened my eyes to be like, you need to get a grip here. You know, it was... It was tough being that heavy, but, you know, and for people who are at that stage, it is, it does feel like you can't get out of it. And especially, you know, I was struggling with things like high blood pressure. I had asthma. I was, um, to be honest at that time, I'd probably say I was quite depressed and, you know, the moments have changed. Would you like me to go into into the moments? Yeah, I was going to say that because... What I think is really interesting is always usually a tipping point at somebody's mm. journey which makes them actually take that first step. And it's really scary. There's not necessarily light at the end of the tunnel. You don't know how far you're going to go with this journey, but mm. you just know something needs to change. And it's interesting listening to your story because I was the opposite. I was a skinny kid and all my mm. mates were like quite muscular, quite athletic. So I started at the opposite end of the spectrum where I felt like very skinny and self-conscious. And there was a lot of moments that led me to think, actually, you know what? Like, I, I don't like how I feel. I'm going into social mm. situations and feeling uncomfortable. So mine was my whole journey was driven by pain and insecurity of not feeling good enough. And I'd love to know what were some of the defining moments or that tipping point where you're like, you talked about the asthma, you talked about affecting yeah. health, but what were some of like the painful moments and what was the moment that was like, right, enough is enough. What was like your lowest moment that led you to the change? There's always three that I remember and that always stand out to me. And I always find that it's never just the one moment. It's a build up of, it's a build up in 
levels of moments. So it ends up with one moment that makes you realize the next moment and you're like, okay, actually something has to happen, but you don't actually make a change. And then the third moment is just like, you know, the knife to the heart. Okay, something has to something has to now happen. For me, the first one was I actually went to go play football for the first time with my, all my mates. And we didn't even play for long. We played for about half an hour. And next thing you know, I was outside McDonald's throwing up. Um, it was just as if I had lost all ability to exercise. I, and I had a migraine and I've never felt, I never had a migraine in my life before. And I was like, at that time, I was like, this shouldn't be what life should feel like. You know, I went to go play football for half an hour. I was like, not everyone, I bet you not everyone feels like this. But that still wasn't enough for me to change. You know, the second moment was, is my 18th birthday and I wanted this Hugo Boss jacket. And I'd seen it, you know, because I went to college in city centre Liverpool and I used to walk past this Hugo Boss shop all the time. And there was this one jacket in the window. that I was like, I need that in my life. And I went to go get it. And I tried on XL, not a chance. Tried on 2XL, not a chance. There were um, two women that were serving me, which was which was really embarrassing because they were also good-looking women. And they had to go in the back and get me a 3XL. And that was the biggest size jacket they did. And for me, when I was paying for that at the till, in the back of my mind, I was just thinking to myself, I can't let this ever happen again. That's all I was thinking. I was like, I can't let this happen again. And I was with my friend at the time who was with me. And, you know, I just, I... I just completely hid away at that point. I just didn't want to talk. I didn't want to speak to him. I was like, yeah, it was it was just a tough. And it was just, yeah, as I said, just extremely embarrassing. Um, and then the third point, which was quite which is actually quite a deep one, but there was um a girl that I, w- I was speaking to at the time, and all her friends ever used to say, so we were getting on quite well and I was at my heaviest at that time as well and we were getting on quite well and then her friends turned around and went, why are you speaking to him? He's fat and ugly. Wow. And, for, and for me, I was like, that was the, you know, the stab to the heart and I was like, okay, change has to be made now. Um, from then on, I made a promise to myself. So actually the day after that, I walked down, walked downstairs and on my hallway, I've got a big mirror and I literally just stopped and said, you're an absolute fat mess you need to change. And I made a promise to myself that day that I was never going back, never going to see myself in that situation ever again. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. So it's a mixture of you obviously suffering, what with the football, but also it sounds like there's this kind of fear of judgment from society. Like there's a girl that you liked and it was all of a sudden like you knew yourself that you were playing the game, a small game, but also other people are starting to notice it as well. So it's like something that you just basically, it sounds like you just couldn't run away from it anymore. And the pain of staying the same just got so great that doing nothing mm-hmm. wasn't an option. You had to do something about it. And there's lots of drivers, you know, internally and externally as well. Uh, and then from that point, which I think is incredible, like the fact that you can just admit it and share it. I think one thing that I see with guys is, scared of being vulnerable, scared of like mm. sharing those stories, but you can clearly see that you're wearing that scar with pride now. And also looking back, it's making you and it has made you into the man that you've been. So I really obviously appreciate you sharing that story because yeah, it sounds like you went through a rough time, but then at the same time, fair play for coming out the other side, for for taking that first step. And you just said about, right, I joined a gym, I got personal training. It wasn't the best help in the world, but it gave you some kind of structure. You did the cardio, you started to, 
almost create a new identity for yourself. You knew yeah. that you wanted to become a better person. So I'd love to know, like, again, if you were to kind of like summarize the, the six year journey, what were the kind of transition phases from getting into the gym to then starting to get results to, to get into where you are now, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a successful coach. I think initially, and this is something that I think, well, firstly, as you said, I, I'm happy enough to speak about all of this. And I know we both work with mental performance coaches. And the biggest thing for me that I think has actually helped me in the last part of my journey was just being able to be my authentic self. And always three words I come back to and three words I always say to lads, if you can really focus on being three things, it's being open, honest, and vulnerable, you know, and the being those three things doesn't mean that you're weak. Being those three things, if any, that means that you're strong because you should be able to deal with the uh, deal with being vulnerable. You know, if someone sees it as a point of weakness, you know that it is not because of how you are approaching it. In regards to the whole six-year journey, I think when it first started, started off with my first personal trainer, I said it wasn't great, but at that point, you know, I even picked a female personal trainer because I wasn't confident going for um, the big lads in the gym. And she taught me how to use all the weighted machines. It was funny at that point as well because I couldn't even do like um, press-ups on my knees on a box. I couldn't even do that basic. That's how much, that's how weak I was. And for me, it was then I used to go to her three sessions a week because I didn't want to do any on my own. And I used to leave every single session at that point as well with a migraine because of my, because of my high blood pressure would cause a migraine. And then all of a sudden I'd come home and it, it, it was, I look back now and it just does, it does upset me because I used to sit on my bed and I'd feel my words start to slay. And I'd know then instantly I'd have a migraine. I knew that I was, was coming. But for me, you know, as you said before, the, pain of not changing was it was worth going through all them migraines for that and for all that pain you all them days where i'd just turn off the light in in my bedroom come lie in bed and just deal with it and then go the next day same again and i went through that for a good while and so she was teaching me she we've done a mixture in sessions we would do like hit workouts probably why i was getting migraines and um and even one session i threw up outside the window in the gym um yeah yeah um she had me doing like pushing a prowler into like a round of boxing and then i'm sure it was like burpees or they used to have this rope pulling thing as well that i used to do um so as i said that's why i say and now i realize that maybe she wasn't the greatest of trainers but it got me to a, a you know the initial start point and that's an interesting point as well that I'd like to explore a bit further. I think, you know, do you think that with trainers, when you're in the position that you're in, if somebody's already in good shape or already training, they're in a mm-hmm. place where they can be pushed and mm-hmm. you don't need to do as much psychology work. But somebody like yourself that was starting out at like the lowest fitness that you've been, you've never been to a gym, it was a huge thing for you. You decided to pick a female trainer instead of a guy trainer. Do you feel like, yeah, that approach, because it's already a big step going into the gym and just killing somebody straight away and just blasting them. That must have been quite difficult as well. Like with you being thrown up, being sick, remind you of the time of when you threw up when you were playing football. Do you feel like that was the right approach to take with somebody who was in a vulnerable position by your own admission? Um, 100% no. And I know that from my own experience of training people. That shouldn't have been done with me. 
However, however, I see that as such a valuable lesson for me. As a coach. Yeah. As a coach. Yeah. At that at that time, she shouldn't have been training me like that because I shouldn't have been leaving every session with a migraine. I shouldn't have been leaving every session feeling ill. But as you, I had the discipline inside of me already, as I said, I just thought this had to happen. I just, at that time, I didn't know any better. I thought this is how I get in shape. This is how it has to be done because you pay a professional to, to you know, to tell you to do it. And I said, that isn't the case for me and how I would, how I approach it with my guys is that you start at a very beginner basic level. You just use, you know, the basic machines in the gym, just get consistent, gain good form, focus on the basics, like your walking, your nutrition, world-class basics equals world-class results end of the day. Slowly over time, over the span of a year, then you become more advanced. Then you become a more advanced gym user. Then next thing you know, when you're doing, you know, you're squatting, you're bench pressing, things like that. But initially you can't expect yourself to go in, in at the deep end. I, you know, yeah. It's interesting you say that because... I think you're obviously very strong minded and you've come through the other side, but I see a lot of guys in a similar position to yourself that have had a really bad experience and haven't quite framed it in that way. And it's put them off. And I honestly believe mm. that most coaches are doing the best that they can do with the knowledge mm. that they've got. And we've all been there. When I first started my coaching 15 years ago, I was getting clients doing burpees. I thought I had yeah. this client beasted for me to be valuable. This is what a coach does. And obviously as the years have shifted, it's completely changed. So, I've been that coach myself, but it does it does kind of worry me again when there's so many people out there who are getting this information, they're putting their trust in people and they're mm. having a negative experience because people are trying to get them to to run before they can walk. And I think to anybody out there that's thinking about hiring a coach, it's that the value in coaching isn't just like the training nutritional plans. That's the kind of tip of the iceberg. It's the experience that that coach has got. Like you've got the experience that you've been coaching for years. You've got gym experience. You've got online coaching experience. You've got experience of your own journey. That for me is worth thousands and thousands of pounds. If I was a guy who was 20 stone, six pounds or whatever you were, I would want to pay you because you've been in my shoes. You've, you've done the journey yourself. And mm-hmm. you made mistakes along the way, but that made you into the coach that you are today. So um, I think that's a really important point. I think there's a lot of coaches that do 12-week courses and they're coming from the best place, but they haven't got the experience. So I see a lot of people spending a lot of money in the fitness industry, but not getting the results they want because they're not being met where they're at. I, I think, you know, I dealt with a lot of times that I was one-to-one for a long time and I want to one in a um, private gym and I want to one in a commercial gym. And I've been around a lot of other trainers. And as you said, trainers, they try their best, but 100%, but a lot of trainers don't have the innate desire to get better and out and to learn and to make sure that they're given the best quality they can give to their clients. For a lot of people, end of the day, it is just a job. I think when you come from a position to where the pain was so deep, at the start of our journeys is that we want to make sure that no one finds themselves in that position again. And I just believe that a lot of trainers have never had that real pain before. I think the coaches who end up the best are the people who have been through the, through it in the first place. And, you know, during my time as a personal trainer, I'd sit there on my breaks and I'd be, you know, learning about oh, what's this software do for clients? What does this do? You know, I used to, in my gym, I was the only one who used to sit there every single um, day going through my fitness pals with my clients. 
you know, I was doing all of this, trying to push, trying to get better, trying to learn more. And, you know, I remember, I remember once this is going a bit off the topic of fat loss, but I remember I was in a, um, Everlast fitness done a group session with a bunch of trainers from all the clubs from in the country. And it was like how to build your fitness business. And I was like, Oh, great. Can't wait for this. So I, I jump in, I sit down and we talk about how, okay, how do we deal with nutrition? And I was like, Oh, I've got my clients who got my fitness pal linked up to my app. And I, you know, just have a look at it every, every Wednesday to make sure they're doing okay. And someone, the person next to me says, Oh, I just give them the healthy eating plate. And I was like, what is this? I was like, I got given the healthy eating plate when I was 10 on an Everton bus in my primary school, <laughs> in my primary school. And I was like, what's going on? And then I, that day really opened the eye, opened my eyes to like how poor coaching as an industry is. And when I was getting, when the person who was teaching the course turned around and said to me, Jaleel, you should be teaching this. I was like, <laughs> well, that's not a great start. But I, I, I do think as well, you know, not to speak bad on people because I don't want to be doing that. But I think something we talked about on, on our pod, on my podcast was that if you do want a trainer, you've got to do some research. Um, I wish I'd done a little bit more research at the start. I had two personal trainers on my journey. Um, and I wish I'd done more research on both. <laughs> yeah, and I think from like what I gathered from our conversation in the past, like you've always had the first experience with a personal trainer. And then you also started working with, with Ben Heron, right? No, so actually, no. So Ben is my first coach. Ben is my, if you want to class him as a personal trainer, he'd be my third trainer. Um, I had a second trainer. So I, after I had my first one, I had her until I finished college because then I moved out. Of, uh, I wasn't in city center no more. So then I ended up going to uh, a pure gym and I hired a trainer. And this time I was confident enough to hire the biggest lad in the gym. Yes. I was like, I, I was like, I want to get massive and you're massive. <laughs> <laughs> let's let, let's work together yeah. and he introduced me to a bit different way of things you know a lot like supersets you know at the end of sessions I couldn't even like my upper body would be finished or my, I remember my calves were shaking like there was no tomorrows it was a complete different style of trading that I was used to but um yeah I went with him and he was the actual the person who told me then to become a personal trainer so I do appreciate him a lot for doing that but at, at this at the same time, I know that still how he was doing things with me was still not the correct way of, of doing it. Um, just me getting absolutely blasted, feeling like I was constantly feeling weak and tired because of the sessions were just crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you go from one extreme to the being smashed with hip workouts to yeah. smashed with weight workouts. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what you just see as a common trend, don't you? Yeah, uh, and then obviously you, you met Ben Heron and uh, Ben. You know, I know Ben through uh, AN. You know, one of the business mentorships that we're in, and he's always really impressed me. Obviously, just mm. as a person, the level of detail, and it sounds like you said that he's your third coach, and you you still have support from him to this yeah. day, right? What was yeah. the difference between Ben? Like, if you look at Ben's key parts as a coach, like what would you say they are? What made him the best coach that you've had? I think with the other two, obviously, were in person. And the issue with both of them is that they didn't give enough support to me outside. Yeah. The most important thing I'd say, especially for someone who was overweight, at the time I came to Ben, I was not overweight. I just wanted to make sure I finished my fat loss journey. I'd never gone 100%. I'd always just been 
I think I was happy with my identity at a time for a long time because I was, you know, now a 14 stone version of Jaleel compared to a 20 stone version. But with Ben, it was more about the, you know, making sure that the rest of the hours were covered in regards to my mental side as well, making sure that, you know, I was um, structured. I had proper routine. I knew what my standards were and how to, you know, live by them. What my non-negotiables were, hitting steps, water, what I need to do with food, all that was covered, all the important things. You know, I had my session on my phone so I could track it for a long time when I didn't have a coach whilst I was a coach. I was very on and off with my training. I am, you know, it was very easy for me to switch a machine or for me to forget about a weight I lifted because I didn't have it tracked down. And these are all mistakes I started to let creep in. And as soon as I got with Ben, it just got me back into 100% clarity on what exactly I need to be doing. I love what you said there as well, because I think, again, so many coaches focus on the two to three hours of the gym each week, but there's 168 hours in a week. And if you're not sleeping well, if you're stressed, if your daily routines are fluctuating, if your standards are there one minute and then not there the next minute, that impacts absolutely everything. So I think so many people focus on the training nutrition, but actually you've got to focus on the table the actual foundation that that supports that and I think again that's something that us coaches I think that's what separates a coach that's just providing a meal plan and a training plan versus a coach a proper coach a trainer is somebody that just gives somebody a plan a coach is somebody that actually coaches somebody mentally physically emotionally and links all the the parts of the puzzle together and that sounds like you you'd already been on a journey to get there and I think from our conversation today looking back I think sometimes we can try and map out the perfect journey but it's, it's easy to look back in hindsight. It's easy for us to reflect yeah. on your journey and think, oh, actually, in, in hindsight, yeah, I didn't have the best experience. But sometimes you've just got to take that first step and accept that you won't know the answers. It's kind of jumping out the airplane, just knowing that the parachute will appear. I don't know if you agree with that. You've got to just do it. You, you've got to fail in, in all differences. I would call my first personal trainer. Yes, I, I failed in regards to where I could have been from that. You know, it it's all experiences that have taught me what I now know I said that's now important for people say people who are listening to this to turn around and be like okay so these have been through the experience let's skip the the parts that they wish they hadn't done and let's actually get to the good part straight away and that's what we offer you know when a client now comes to me to be honest a lot of clients come to me even after they've had a lot of personal trainers in the past but a lot of clients come to me and I've had them as like, I'm like their first ever coach. And I think to myself, you're, I wish that I was in your position when I was at my heaviest because it is such a, I know exactly how to get you to where you need to be. I love that. I love that confidence that you've got in yourself as well. Like um, just the fact that you back yourself so much and you've earned the right to be in the position that you're in because you've walked the walk, you've invested thousands of pounds into coaching yourself. So to have that confidence and conviction, this is why, you know, the fitness industry needs coaches like yourself because you back yourself and you're in it for the right reasons. You want to progress, you want to build your business, but you also want to help people and have an impact as well. So I think that's really, really refreshing. And if you to kind of like look back over your, I mean, how long would you say this journey is from the moment you kind of stepped into the gym to where you are now? Well, I'd say I finished fat loss in September fully. Yeah. So it would be like the full, like eight years worth of training. I I I said I finished the majority of my fat loss within the first two years. Yeah. Okay. 
And if you were to like look back then and say, go back to eight years, mm. what would you say like three things that you would have done differently in hindsight, knowing mm. what you know now? I think initially, I would have, number one, put a lot more focus on my nutrition. Back then, I my, oh, I said my personal trainer at the time just gave me a, a meal plan, and I wouldn't really call it a meal plan. It was literally one day worth of food on a, on a piece of paper, and I was like, great. And I, I thought then that's, you know, I didn't have much help in that regard. So I was just eating rice and chicken, brown rice, chicken, brown rice, chicken, um, that, and I used to get these salads from Aldi, tuna salads, and that's all I used to eat. And I just make sure I didn't even know how many calories I was on. I was just eating. If I had been able to know more about the nutrition side of things, I think that would have helped me get my weight loss a lot quicker, a lot off a lot quicker during that time and probably would have made sure that my performance was better as well. What specifically in relation to the nutrition would you say was it to do with calories, protein, quality of foods? Like what do you feel like that you know now that if you would have had that bit of knowledge right from the get-go, it would have accelerated your progress? Because I was I was way I was over restricting way too much in the week. And I, I wouldn't say it was the weekend. I had a what you'd call a cheat meal every Thursday. And I my calories must have been in the thousands because it, it was stopping me from losing weight at the time. Um, and because I didn't know better and because my trainer didn't know better, that was just part of, maybe that was the time, the t- sort of time that I was training as well. Maybe there wasn't that much knowledge around it. And cheat meals was the in thing. And even when I used to, so I had a lot of, and there's something I recommend to a lot of big lads as well, is find people on like YouTube and stuff that you inspire to look like and be like. Because for me, I was that was such a big, sort of drive inside of me there was people such as i don't know if you heard like mike thurston oh yeah yes um there was bradley martin um watching videos of um iron generation all stuff like that all them videos i used to watch even west side barbell was one hell of a documentary on on netflix but i watched all of these and even something so stupid as like love island i used to look at these people and i think to myself if they can do it why can't i yeah and yeah so that that that, that was a big part so with the nutrition though I think I needed more clarity on exactly what I was doing I think I was just left in the dark in regards to food with yeah with with the second thing I'd probably have changed I think that I would have been more I'd say, I think even though my personal trainer was did help me at the time, I think I would have preferred to have done more research, to have found someone that had maybe been in my situation. Because there was times when I was struggling and I knew she didn't know how to help me because she had never been fat. She was She was someone that went from skinny to being in shape and she had never been in my position because she had never been in my position. She didn't know how to deal with some of the, say, even emotional bar- um, like emotional barriers that came up and things. Yeah. For the third thing that I've told myself at that time, I think for me, 
during that time, there was I I put a lot of pressure on myself to get it done as quick as possible. I knew that I was never going to go back, but I think I should have just realized more that it was just I at least I'm playing the long game and that'll all pay off. I think I wanted it quite quick, but I in the back of my mind I still knew that this was never I was never going to go back to who I was, but I could have established more longer term habits a lot sooner. I think. Yeah, I love that. And I've just kind of made a couple of notes on some mm-hmm. of the stuff that you said there. With the nutrition, it's interesting, obviously, because you know a lot more now mm-hmm. than what you did at the start. But do you feel like sometimes I think it's good to maybe go through that strict, restrictive plan to get results? And I'm a big believer in mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that I coach, get the results, go all in, and then start to kind of build in flexibility. Now, obviously, there are going to be gray areas where if mm-hmm. someone's coming to me with you know a poor relationship with food, I'm not going to necessarily maybe go into that deep end. But do you think sometimes actually just going restrictive, cutting out stuff and just having a simple strategy can be a good way to just kind of get get things moving? It might not be ideal or optimal, but it's, it's simple. You eat the same food every single day, and it's going to get you some results. I, I think the over restriction that I did at the start was when I very first started was a bit overboard. I think that with clients nowadays, I think there is always a high level of restriction anyway, that needs to be done because you need to reverse the bad habits that you've got into how I would, how I approach it with clients is I say, I do think um, like convenience and, you know, simplicity around food is key. So it's not turning around and you being like eating whatever you want as long as you hit your calories. It's more of like, as you know, the probably 80-20 method, making sure, okay, you can still enjoy your food, you can still enjoy your life. But other than that, keep the foods dead simple. You know, if it, if it is chicken and rice for an evening, you know, nowadays chicken and rice is a lot better than chicken rice I was eating back in the day. You can go into Aldi. Bland overcooked chicken with like, yeah. I can't cook rice to this day. That's why I have to get microwave rice because the, there you I go. will mess up rice. Honestly, you leave me cooking rice and the pan will be ruined or it will just end up, yeah, I'll end yeah. up poisoning the family. Yeah. But, but that, 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 that's the thing. Nowadays, it's even easier. You know, I can go into Aldi. I can get some chicken that can, you know, that's already been marinated. You can whack it in the pan. It's done in 10 minutes and rice that's done in a minute 30. So to keep it simple. Um, so I do believe restriction is key. I just think that there's a, there's levels to that restriction. As as you know, as long as you're not feeling as if like, you know, what I what I don't want from my clients is them to have their twenty percent say calories and maybe have something like say a little chocolate bar, and then to start feeling guilty and then it affect the, then their relationship with food and all of a sudden they start binge eating and things. I don't want that to happen. So that's why I always leave the twenty percent. But other than that, I think. Being restrictive is key. For me, this last part of my fat loss, I was eating the same things day in, day out, but I enjoyed the foods. The the issue was previously, I did not enjoy brown rice and chicken. Brown rice is absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. And I think restriction as well, it's subjective, isn't it? Because for me, I'm like quite a simple guy. There's probably, I probably eat the same 10 to 20 foods each week and that works for me. But other clients that like variety, they love the cooking, they love the food. So I suppose it's it's understanding that for some clients, they love to cook recipes. For other clients, they just want the same basic foods five to seven yeah. days a week. And for others, it sounds like with yours, it's more of like a framework where you, it's restrictive, but it's not just very, very small um, field that they can play in. It's, it's still got boundaries and barriers. Yeah. But you're giving people more flexibility and freedom within that to obviously to get them the results they want. So it's kind of like 
it sounds like more like a hybrid approach where yeah. calories, quality of food, but there's an element of flexibility. So it's a lot, going to be a lot more sustainable. I, I try and get my clients to learn about food more than me just give them the answer. I think in, in regards to food, I say that one of the biggest things that you can do is just go shopping. And I would say, take your time. I want you to start picking up packets and turning them around and looking at what's in them. Said so, Because this builds your knowledge base. As long as you start doing that, and then obviously you have things like a protein goal to hit. If if, you, if you've got a macro goal to hit, like a protein goal, your your quality of food is most likely going to be massively improved. Um, so it, once you focus on hitting that, and then you look, go shopping and you start looking at foods around, you know, oh, this is high protein, this is high protein. Then all of a sudden your diet becomes a hell of a lot better. Um, and then it, you kind of then realize, well, what works for you? Yeah, I think that's really sound advice, actually. And I like what you said about, like, you kind of mentioned it kind of point one, point two, but watching like Love Island, you know, watching mm. documentaries and looking up to people that have achieved what you're trying to, achieve and i think that's really important again what you can tend to find is i found this is when you start to go on your journey i kind of isolate myself for a couple of years because i realized i need to focus on myself and my current friendship group wasn't really supporting the person that i wanted mm. to become so i kind of my best friend to an extent for years was like youtube watching people like mike thurston even people like the harrison twins like back in the day um watch youtube videos and then you start to look at these people and how they behave what they eat that the routine and habits and i'm a big believer is you can't you're not going to be the exact same person as the person that you copy. But if you copy their traits, you're going to develop your own way of success. So you're going to, you know, get leaner. You're going to get more muscle. Somebody following people that are wealthy and rich, you're going to learn their habits, the fact that they save money. So I think that's a, such a like valuable point for people listening to this podcast, like to just hang around with people mm -hmm. who are on the same mission, because just by copying, I've learned so much over the years just through listening to podcasts, you know, stuff like that, what we're sharing, where I might have just taken one thing and it's completely changed the game for me. It's realized that oh, other people think like this. Or if I just get my food shopping in for the week ahead, then I'm going to be far less emotionally volatile when it comes to making decisions with food. So I think for me, like that's such a big take home point of this podcast. Just, yeah. 100%. It's a having... You know, my friendship group and my family, to be honest, none of them are in shape or none of them were in shape at that time. And none of them wanted to be in shape. I was very lonely on my journey, except for having my trainer. No, no one understood why I, why I was doing what I was doing. And if I didn't have YouTube, if I didn't have, if I didn't watch things like you said, Love Island and that, I wouldn't have, I would have probably just given up. But the fact that I could see these people consistently, and then as you said, it's picking up their habits. What are they doing? You know, I, I remember watching. Um, it, was, it was probably some like gym vlog, and it, they were. He was up at like five thirty, going to the gym. Next thing you know, what was I doing? I was getting a bus at five thirty on the way into city centre to go to the gym. Something that I never thought I'd ever do. But these little things, you know, you're like, well, if he does this, well, let me try and see if this works for me. And next thing you know, it starts working, then it starts adding up, and all these good habits and. When there's no one around you physically for you to look at and see them things happening, it's your job to then go and find that somewhere else. Um, whether that be through a coach, whether that be through videos, whether that be through anything, it's your job to be able to then find them people, find like mentors, even though they're not really mentors, they're just people to look up to and learn from. Yeah, I love that. And that kind of brings us on to the third point that you mentioned about doing a bit more research with a coach. Mm. And 
what you tend to find is people all of a sudden wake up, they decide to change. And it's like, right, I'm just going to quickly go search for a coach and then boom, like all coaches are equal. But I think from my experience, like I've hired a lot of coaches over the years, you know, people like Mark Coles, Phil Learney, Phil Graham, like some of the, the best coaches. And I've also hired some coaches that haven't been so good. And I think looking back, for me, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, name them. A lot of people uh, coming through and exit, exit my window every <laughs> Wednesday when I'm doing a podcast. But um, kind of like joking aside, you know, for, for me, it's all about no like and trust. So looking at the person, finding them on social media or in person, if that's what you think is going to be best. And do they have the results that you want? Do Can they get the results with other people? Because there's a lot of fitness guys, right, that are in great shape. But just because you're in great shape doesn't mean that you're a great coach. So for me, like, do they practice what they preach? Are they in the shape that you want to be in? Can they do that result with other people? What are the testimonials like? What are the social proofs? And actually, do you like them? Do you like the content? Do you like the tone? Some guys like stricter coaches. Some guys like um, coaches that are a bit more empathetic. You know, if you've got kids, you know, I've noticed my clients have, have changed over the years from kind of like younger guys that wanted to get in shape to more kind of like middle-aged guys because I'm 35 myself now. So with, with kids and all of a sudden people, I think, invest into people. So I think just... I don't know what you think about that, but for, for me, I think you've got to invest into somebody that is where you want to be. And it's so, so important because if not, you might not get the experience that you want. I 100% agree with everything you've said there. When it comes to you now hiring a coach and what I wish I had did is just take a lot more time in regards to finding out, okay, has this person been in my shoes? That's the most important thing. Then as you said, it's then have they got results with people like me? Because if they haven't, if you're going on, if you go on a fitness page and you see someone that was, you know, you wanted to lose, say you've got like 50 pounds to lose and you go into a fitness page and you see the top three results are people going from skinny to being muscular. Well, that, that should be a, a warning sign in your brain to be like, all right, okay, actually, this is not what I want. Let's me, let's make sure I find, and that's not, that's not to say bad any about the coach. And that's not to say that no coach could help you get to that, but you want to be more sure you want to go on a page and said, if people come onto my page, they're not going to see a skinny guy going to get into absolutely insane shape. Could I do that with a client? 100%. But that is not my specialty area because I've not been through that journey myself. So when it comes to it, look at the results and be like, can you see yourself in that, in that, can you see yourself getting a transformation picture with that coach? If so, you know, chat with them, DM them. If, if you go to any good coach, they're not going to force you into joining. You know, I have I have chats with people on a, re on a regular basis, you know, about giving them as much value as possible. I always say at the end of the day as well, a, a good, you'll know a good coach if you start talking to them and they, all they want to do is help. Because in my case, I would, if money wasn't the thing, I'd still be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the most important part. If that. you could, if you go into a if you go into a conversation with a coach and instantly like they're sending over prices, they're sending over this, 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 talking about just like the just the ins and outs of the program. Well, that's not that that's not shouldn't be a coach that you go and work with because you can tell what their intentions are. I completely agree. And I was having this conversation with a client the other day, and I just pretty much said what you said. I said if I won the lottery tomorrow or became a multimillionaire overnight, I'd still be coaching. I might do it in a slightly different capacity. Maybe I'd get like an even bigger gym, you know, I'd get more team members, but the mission would still remain the same. And I think, again, that's a sign of a good coach. It's 
impact over income. It's it's helping people. It's being a good person. It's loving what you're doing. It's constantly evolving, growing, investing into yourself, practicing what you preach, sharing your stories, sharing your lessons. I think that's such a such a powerful thing as a coach. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And I think if, if you're happy with this, just to kind of finish off the podcast, this is going to be going live in December time. Um, so next couple of weeks or so. Going into Christmas, what's your kind of strategy for yourself and with clients when it comes to to food because I find like August and December are the two hardest months for clients. You've got summer holidays in August and then December, you've got the Christmas, you've got Christmas parties kicking off, all the stuff that happens around Christmas. So what's your personal approach and what's your kind of thoughts around December? I always found winter in general, even December is probably some of the best times I've ever had in regards to fitness wise. I feel like sometimes when your back's up against the wall in regards to having a lot on, it's an opportunity to now show what you're made of in regards to your fitness journey. So I would always switch the mindset of, oh, it's going to be so tough to, it's a challenge. Let's do it. That's the initial thing I would do. And the thing I do with myself every year. Secondly, it's being able to enjoy more. Well, firstly, actually it's Christmas is not a month. Christmas is a day. I think that's a more than one big thing that a lot of people forget about. And it doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself. It doesn't mean you can't go and do the Christmas markets. You can't go on social occasions. You can. I think number one is understanding, okay, with the amount that you've going on, is is it worth sacrificing the results for that month? Is it worth just having that month as like a maintenance month and understanding that it's okay? To still get results during that time, you, there's loads of methods and things you can put in place. If you go on a Christmas market on a Friday, well, you could easily save 200 calories every day and start calorie banking up ready for that. You can even then put tactics in on the day of things such as maybe have a light breakfast, light lunch, and then go to the Christmas market, and then you've got a lot more calories to play with. Food quality is obviously going to be down, but that's just the sacrifice that's going to be made on that particular day. I also when think, it, oh, well, like, you know, just on that note, it's like you said, it's managing expectations and, and understanding how you want December to be just because everybody else is eating crap and drinking lots doesn't mean that you have to do it. So what are you happy with? And I know we talked about this the day on your podcast, but imagining yourself, I think like start December, imagine yourself in four weeks time, like how do you want to be going into Christmas? Do you want to be tired, sluggish, sitting around at the Christmas party with your shirt hanging out because your tummy's bloated, you're not active, you know, in conversations, you're feeling anxious. Is that how you want your Christmas to be? To then self-medicate with more alcohol, more food, and then come into January feeling shocking? Or do you want to have the best of both worlds where you're going in, energy, feeling good, knowing that you're, you're, you're the best version of yourself? So I think it's sometimes looking at the cost and you, you're you always at a crossroads where if you turn right, this is where you could be. And if you turn left. So I don't know if you think that could be quite helpful, but understanding. No. Yeah, 100%. And managing expectations is huge around Christmas period. It depends on what you want. If you're, if someone comes to me and is happy not getting, not shifting weight over Christmas, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I think one thing I do give to my clients, I always say the week of Christmas, so normally like the main week, I always say I have it off. Like, you know, if you don't, because not many times that we probably give diet breaks or deal with weeks because they normally happen naturally. So I always say Christmas time, use that as that sort of chance. But that still doesn't mean that I haven't established a level of self-awareness with my clients around food. Little tips like not eating until you feel sick. You know, little tips like understanding when enough is enough. 
is is key around this time. But still, I always find a lot of my clients still end up training anyway. I know I, I definitely do. One of my biggest things, I love training at Christmas time. I, I train on Christmas Day. Yeah, me too. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, especially when I, I turn up at my gym's 24 hours. So I turn up at my gym and there's actually quite, it's actually quite busy. You'd be really surprised, but it's a good vibe. If it, you know, after you do all the present opening and stuff, I go straight to take an hour and it just, it's one of the best days of the year, 100%. And training during that time and always getting active as well. I would say, you know, instead of your family or sitting there, you know, just eating food, feeling like, you know, rubbish. Get outside. Everyone go on a nice walk. You know, enjoy that family time. Yeah. That's more key. And when you start looking at things like that, the damage of the amount of food that you will have won't be massive. And the fact is you can use that food as extra energy. You may be in the gym. You can use that food for... Um, and the thing is, it's it's not food that you should be concentrating on this time here, which I think a lot of people do because they restricted so much in the in the past and with diet culture. But I think don't focus on the food, focus on family. It's all point of Christmas. Yeah, I love, it. I love it what you said. I think I'm the same. Like, I love to train over Christmas. I, in fact, I probably have my best workouts over Christmas. 100%. Everybody's <laughs> chilling. Stress is a little bit less because everybody's kind of on holiday mode. You're having more food in the tank, get better muscle pumps. Like, it's actually quite a good opportunity. And I agree, you're going to have more food, but increase your output a little bit. And for me, I'm a big fan in, like no matter what time of year, just keeping certain plates spinning. So we know that food's going to be higher. It's not probably going to be as good a quality, but just keep your exercise going. Like you wouldn't not just brush your teeth over a two week period over Christmas or over a week period. You're going to keep doing it. You're not going to not hug your kids over Christmas. You're not going to, you know, yeah. do some housework or whatever. There's certain things that just are part of life all the time. So I think that just to keep some plates spinning, especially your activity, if you can just keep your training in a good place, then come January, you've already kept that fitness and then all of a sudden you just tidy things up for a week or two and you're back to where you were. And all of a sudden you, you've not lost any ground. It's, and it's, it's such a big opportunity to learn. You know, I, I've, I've had many, especially so say last year, I remember I had a conversation with a client and they were like, Oh, I want to, I'm going to sign up. I'll pay for it now, but let's start after Christmas. And I, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, why? And then I had made the point that it's actually more important for you to start at Christmas because this is good. If you can learn how to get through Christmas while still making progress during the times when you're not busy, it's just going to go, it's going to be incredible what you can achieve. And as soon as I said that, they were like, okay, and got started. And that client I had a call with, what I think it was last week or week before. So they've been with me since last November and they still say to this day that getting through that Christmas just taught them so much and it would been one of the best things they've done. And the, you know, this client went to um, Mauritius last month, said they've never felt so good in how they look, how they feel. Um, and yeah. I love that. Just and some of, my, some of my best clients have, have signed up in like November or December time. Yeah. Because I think what you've just done there is, is amazing as a coach because so many coaches said, yeah, let's just start in January. But you're also giving somebody permission then that there's always going to be challenges in the future and the perfect time to start is then. Well, actually, the perfect time to start was yesterday. The second best time to start is now. So by actually condoning that kind of behavior or put it off till then, you're also both you know, subconsciously buying into the belief that, okay, well, what happens next Christmas? You know, what happens at Easter, birthday? What about your own birthday celebrates like, all these occasions, like throughout the year, there's going to be probably four to eight weeks of holidays, illness, sickness, 
injuries challenge. So you can't just put things on hold. So I think that again, that's really good coaching. Why just just start now? Even if you start on the sixteenth of December, you can still have your Christmas. But why wait? Because that it is a dangerous mindset. It it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, you know you. You, it's just a learning experience. Our, all our lives are learning experiences. Just relax, you know. Just put in, just keep putting. In, you're in this journey once again for the rest of your life. So, you know, my Christmas when I was at my heaviest is completely different to my Christmas now. So it's understanding that, but that's because it, uh, it's just a learning experience. My Christmas now is way more optimized than what it ever has been. But that's because I've gone through eight Christmases whilst I've been trading, been trying to get better. It's normal. This Christmas, if you start, you know, if you, for example, join up with a coach now, your Christmas probably is not going to be the greatest in regards to results, but you're going to learn a lot from it. Then the next year is going to get better. The year after then is going to get better. And understand that and understand that that's okay. There's no rush. Yeah, I love that. I love that. No, that's been really powerful today. And uh, yeah, I'd love to like wrap up there. But honestly, it's been really good to speak to you. And uh, just hearing your story has been really inspiring to see where you were versus where you are now. And to understand like how much you know the knowledge and the fact that you're actually out there helping people. Um, honestly, it's been really, really good speaking the, to you. Can, can, can I just say one last thing as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Something that always stuck to me on my journey, and I think I something I try and do, something that I believe a lot of people should do, because a lot of people listening to this would probably already have been going to the gym for a little while, or they've been in and, out, in and out. When you see someone who is overweight and is obese in the gym and is trying just let them know, you know, well done. You know, I always remember I was pushing um, the prowler and some random guy just came up to me in the gym and he said, he said, you've been smashing it lately, well done. And I always remember, it always sticks to sticks with me. I've never spoke to that guy in my life. That's the first time I ever uh, spoke to him. He said that to me and that just always stuck with me. And it's crazy how that sticks with me still to this day. But I think a lot of the times people don't have that belief but if someone or they don't have anyone give them any sort of positive word, especially when you're obese, there's normally a lot of things that have gone into you being in that situation. A positive word goes a long way. So if you see someone try and just let them know, you know, you don't you don't have to coach them. You just say, you know, well done. And it'll go a hell of a long way. I love that. I think it's such a great way to finish. Just positively yeah. affirming somebody just giving somebody a pat on the back because we've all got struggles and sometimes we don't have that belief in ourselves but it just takes that belief when I look at you know my journey over the last few years it's through been a compliment or a comment that one of my coaches has said and it's just taken my confidence oh my god this person believes yeah. it and uh, sometimes it's 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 uh, in- incredibly easy to miss but just acknowledging somebody that's trying to become a better version of themselves will not only make you feel better It'll also help them on the journey. So everybody wins. So why would you not say that? So I absolutely love that. I think it's a really nice way to, to end this podcast. So where can okay. people find you, Julia? How can people yeah. get in contact? So if you want to find me, um, go on Instagram. It's at coachgel underscore. So if anyone wants to message me, if anyone is struggling with their weight at the moment and they just want to have a little chat about things and chat about my journey, I'm more than happy to have a chat with you guys. But yeah, okay. thank you for having me on. That was lovely. Oh, it's been a pleasure, mate.